A conversation can change the way you think, how you feel, or even what you believe. So, no matter what the conversation's about, it's not for nothing. Hello, friends. Welcome back to Not For Nothing. I'm Kyle Leon Henderson, and this is an exciting day. It's the very first episode that I am doing first run on Spotify. So welcome to Spotify, and I'm super excited to have on the very first Spotify show, Michelle Castle. Hi. Back again. Uh, guess who's back? Back, back. It's me. <laughs> okay. um, yeah, so the back the backlog for... Um, the show will be on Spotify. So all of our episodes are there now. But this is the first one to launch first run on Spotify. So we're excited. Um, so I wanted to have you on today because <laughs> 2022 has been just... It, it, we have this phrase in the South. It's like drinking water from a fire hydrant. It's just been so much. It's a lot. It's been so much. And a lot of it's good. Mostly good for me. Um... What about you? It's How's a, everything? It's a big period of recovery, I mm-hmm. think, for me and a lot of people. Um, just because yeah. we're towards the end of COVID, we hope. And Yeah, it looks like it's screeching it towards looks a little like bit of an pan- endemic. We, we've had some fake outs. Yeah. Um and it, I'd, I I Do you remember last year there was like two weeks where we like, took oh our we took our mask <laughs> off and then we were like, Never mind, never mind, we can't do that. <laughs> so yeah. yeah. That yep, that happens. <laughs> um, and this time it looks like it's more real. But I'm like, yeah, the numbers. I think we're at our last big spike until next fall. I think that me and the rest of the world are very hesitant to believe, um, to believe that you know it's over yet, just because we already have have go- like I've gotten my hopes up before. And yeah, well, and it's been two years. It's been yeah. two years. Um, and we talk a lot about just sort of what we've all been through these two years. Mm-hmm. Like um, you and Flo moved in together during yeah. these two years. My dad passed away. I got fired from a job during these two years. We did yet again, another job where we worked together. We worked at va- doing vaccines at Dodger stadium together. And, mm-hmm. and I'm back again. I'm now running an entire testing site. And I'm like, what, when did that happen? Yeah. Um. So, all of that to be said, I thought this was a perfect time to just come together and talk about mental health. Yeah. Because, because <laughs> I, you know, I, I, I kind of delicately asked you over lunch today. I was like, can we talk about mental health at, at, on the podcast? Because you've been going through a lot lately. It's been rough. It's, yeah, it's really hard because, you know, you've been through so much and you try to let yourself be okay with not being okay. Yeah. And, but then you eventually get so fatigued from not being okay. You're like, can I just get back to okay? Well, and, and then you start blaming yourself. It's like a downward, downward spiral. Uh, But then there are those, those moments where like, you know, someone like me that has mental health issues, Mm -hmm. even prior to COVID, like there are those days when you are just not okay for no reason. Right. And And I did the exact opposite because I've been okay this whole time really for like the last, I'd say six months I've been just doing really well, Yeah, but I could feel sort of the wolves at the door. Mm -hmm. And so my boundaries, (laughs) my boundaries, (laughs) 
my boundaries <sighs> kept getting stauncher and stauncher to the point where my little circle of life had been become so small to ensure that I could stay okay. Thank you, Flo. Flo's here too. <laughs> He's not speaking yet. If you hear anything you want to chime in on, sir, come on over. I just, um, yeah, um, mental health has been rough for me, especially there are, you know, it's so funny. There are days when you just want to cry for no reason yeah. and it's okay. Mm-hmm. It's okay to do that. And yeah. it doesn't make you crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really hard. I think also, especially for me, I'm at a certain juncture as a female, I'm at a certain juncture in my life where my body is changing. And at the same time, the world also happens to be permanently changing yeah. and my hormones are changing and PMDD is a thing. What is PMDD? P- premenstrual dysphoric disorder. I recently started tracking my symptoms and I think I might have it. It's oh, wow. something, it's something hormonal. It's like, it's like PMS. And by the way, PMS is a medical condition mm-hmm. as much as people like to joke about yeah. it. it. This is a more extreme form of that. Well, it's, it's just like they, the people love to discount women. The PMS is a medical condition. Postpartum depression is, is a, a medical, medical condition. condition. Yeah. And people think that that's not real or mm-hmm. whatever. And I'm, I'm, I don't understand how you could think it's not real. So stuff like that's uh, not real. Neither do I. But um, it's fine. I mean, just move on, you know, whatever. I'm so I'm going to be 30 this summer, mm-hmm. which is weird. <laughs> well, and as someone who is 34, we'll be 35. Yeah. In uh, you're a man. In, in it's almost different. two months. <laughs> well, I'm just saying over here on this side of 30, it's it's OK. No, I know. It's nice. I like it. But so as a female, when you get to this point in your life, things mm-hmm. start changing. You start seeing changes in your body, in your face. Yeah. In everything, like the way that you feel, and sometimes it's in your control, and sometimes it's not. I could work. I mean, I could work out every day and eat nothing but but salad and veggies for the the next month and a half and not lose a pound. Right. Um. So that's really hard. Um. Not to mention, like, still trying to deal with the full weight of what's happened over the past two years. I think that's going to be something we are going to have to unpack over the next few years. Yeah. I. I definitely think I have some PTSD. Yeah. I mean, how could we not? Yeah. Do you think that you do? I I, I think more so. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know enough about PTSD because I know like what classic PTSD looks like. Like you're you're just you're traumatized and you're triggered by things. And Um, it, it doesn't necessarily have to be that. But I think I'm stuck in a holding pattern of operating on survival mode is and that, on, on the fact that everything is not okay and right. that you have to get through and you have and right I, i've gotten very good at controlling my parameters and i've gotten very good at controlling my situation and because i went through a space sort of similar to what you're going through now a few years ago i realized i've got to know my triggers i've got to know what's going on and so yeah. i i hold those boundaries up so hard and i think that's where i'm like I might be stuck in that mindset to mm-hmm. where I can't relax. Yeah, I agree. Rather, you know what I mean? I'm so, so used to being um, in fight or flight mode now that I yeah. waiting for the next bad thing to happen that I I have to figure out a way to get myself mm-hmm. out of it. And I think a lot of people feel the same way. Well, and I'm I'm waiting because I'm 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 doing the. Um, the the testing side i'm running a testing yeah. side but i'm already in space to find my next gig and like 
I'm getting good news so far. I haven't, I haven't gotten through the whole hiring process, but I'm getting good news. But so much so that I'm in a holding pattern of just waiting for the next thing to happen. I've, I haven't really taken time to celebrate yeah. good stuff. I'm like, you know what? I'm just, I'm just going to, I'm going to let it be. Yeah. I'm not going to do that in it. And I'm not scared of disappointment. Like, cause I always tell Ethan and he quotes it back to me. Don't go to the funeral till somebody's dead. Don't be mad. Don't be upset about something right. that hasn't even happened yet, but I haven't been happy about yeah. it fully about things that are coming my way i'm like we're okay me neither yeah, yeah. so you know I, it's just interesting that we and that's why i wanted to take today to sort of just talk about it because yeah. we're going to talk about it anyway and you know the other part of it it's it's so funny because to a certain extent you feel like you're in control of it you mm-hmm. feel like you're in control of your own mental health and you can do things to make it better and there are some things that you have absolutely no control over no. And it it makes you feel kind of helpless at times and alone well, and scared and you can be you can be around people that you love and they can tell you everything's mm-hmm. going to be okay but you don't believe them when you're in that mindset. Right. I mean, it's hard to see because you know it it's like when uh, if a house is on fire and they're like it'll be okay. It's like how? I'm in the middle of a burning <laughs> house. You know, so, it may be true but it's hard to see. So, just to give anybody who's listening out there some context, um mm-hmm. I had previously been treated for um, ADD. I was diagnosed when I was 10. And um, later in life, in college, and a little bit after, uh, dealt with some anxiety and depression problems, was treated for it briefly, and then when was okay for several years. And then when COVID hit, it all came mm. rushing back like it was never gone. Um so it triggered me. I started having panic attacks because of a health issue that I was going through. Yeah. Um, I started, and that's this is the part that I think made me feel hopeless and helpless, mm-hmm. is I was actively seeking help. Yeah. I was looking for it. I was scratching for it. And we all know what the pandemic did to our healthcare system. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, I mean, if you're not dying of COVID, you're at the back of the line. Yeah. I mean, if you're not dying of a heart attack, if you're not dying, mm-hmm. you're definitely at the back of the line. And, and just because you're not dying doesn't mean that you're not sick or that right. you don't need help. And, you know, and it's hard to argue with that because it's like, well, yeah, your depression is so severe. And, you know, how do you argue with somebody who's dying with COVID or dying yeah. of a heart attack? Like, all you can do is accept the fact that I'm just going to have to wait my turn. Right. And when will that be? So and so it's hard. It is. And it's some of it like it's funny because you can have chronic depression and anxiety mm-hmm. and still have it come in waves and be circumstantial. But yeah. you can still have it. It can just be dormant mm-hmm. like any kind of medical condition. It always and is. people people don't realize that like I'll go through it took me a while to realize that like I'll go through six months where I'm totally fine and super happy and Mm -hmm. great. And then it comes back and I'm like, Oh no, what did I do? No, it's not that it it, it was dormant. And then it came back. A mental disorder is all it is, is chemicals in your brain misfiring or, or you know, your chemicals are supposed to flow through your brain at a certain speed with a certain velocity, whatever. And that's what a mental disorder is, is that it's too much rushing or not enough rushing. And so you can take this medicine and you can do your, you know, you can help yourself along with it. But at any point you could have a misfire or, or, you know, it just, you know, it flares up, whatever. So I was, um, I was scratching 
just to get someone to pay attention to me, mm-hmm. just to get some sort of healthcare help with um, prescription drugs for you know uh, mm-hmm. psychiatric medicine, um, trying to find a therapist. It took me months to even find and anybody. I wonder, because in Alabama, mm-hmm. there's some, there's a little bit of purview in Alabama with doctors that they can like just your regular practitioner yeah. doctor can prescribe you. Things like, like my doctor prescribed me Concerta for right. my ADHD, yeah. and he was able to sort of, you know, put me on a put me on this this, uh, what is it? Um, what's the number for appeal? Milligrams, milligrams. Yeah, like like I was on like five milligrams, and then I went back for another visit, and it was like, how are you feeling doing that? And I was like, I did, you know, talked yeah. about my experience. And he's like, you know, what? we can we can bump it up to ten milligrams. That's the thing. And yeah. and in New York. I was trying to do get on that medicine, and they were like, "No, you can't." A, a Every general state's pra- different. General practitioner cannot prescribe you brain medication. You've got to go to a psychiatrist for that. So, and so I'm wondering if that's the way it is here in California too, because I haven't tried in mm, California, and I wonder how was it in Maryland. So too. I think it's a it may be a state by state thing, but I also think that in general, a regular doctor is not supposed to prescribe you medicine that is supposed to come from a specialist but they can yeah but it's up to their comfort level and some even regular practitioner doctors some of them have extensive knowledge of um like of of medicine for depression and anxiety Mm -hmm. and some of them do not and if they don't a lot of times they won't feel comfortable prescribing you something yeah so they have to send you to someone because they don't want any kind of well and i think it was pretty benign yeah the concerta because concerta is one of the mildest of yeah brain medications for adhd which i have um but yeah so i wonder just about your situation i mean because I've seen you as your best friend yeah. going through it all and everything. But, um, but yeah, you're sort of at a crossroads now yeah. with, you know, you're in the middle of it right now. I'm, I'm starting to feel better, but I went through like very recently a several like, you know, week or so period where I just mm-hmm. felt like constantly like I wanted to cry and like I was not okay. And sometimes for no reason. And yeah. I was blaming myself for things that had nothing to do with me and, um, yeah. Oh, and like one bad thing would happen. I'd be like, this is terrible. And then these, these other little bad things that most people would be like, oh, that sucks and move on. Mm-hmm. We're just like the worst thing in the world. Yeah. Um, but so what happened leading up to this was um, I found. So because of COVID, it was really hard to find these practitioners that I needed. And I was so desperate that I looked online and I found some practices that do only digital medicine and for a time it helped i mm-hmm. will tell you it has its place but the problem with seeing someone only digitally is you have no idea how they are actually acting in person they can't take your pulse they can't yeah. take your temperature um it's just not the same and as much as the dig- digital age is great for convenience and stuff like that when it comes to medicine i just don't think right it's like i did correct. i started therapy um during the pan- in June of 2020 yeah. and I never saw my therapist in person it was always over tele telehealth yeah and I think talking it out mm-hmm. through therapy that's brilliant yeah in on zoom or whatever Correct. it was on it was on some program it wasn't zoom but whatever it's brilliant but when it when you when it comes to prescribing medicine I just think there needs to be a little bit more interface than well, than screen to screen i couldn't even find at this point this is several months back um i couldn't even find 
anybody that was taking new patients. It yeah. was terrible. And I was screaming out for her. Like, somebody help me. Somebody yeah. just, please, I I don't know what's going on. I'm I'm not some sort of drug user that's that's looking for you to just throw me some right. pills. Like, I want to figure out what the F is wrong with me. And so I found this practice online, and I found a doctor who, uh, a, a psychiatrist who was, I thought was helping me, and was we were trying a bunch of different things. Some things were working, some things weren't. We got to a certain point with the medicine that I was on where I was having extreme side effects, but it was making me feel better day to day, and it's like, so that's the life I have to live is mm-hmm. putting up with these terrible, terrible side effects on a daily basis Can just I ask to feel what okay. The side effects were um, they uh, restlessness, nausea, um, mood swings, um, weight gain, weight loss. So like, most of it was physical. Yeah. But so you were headaches. Having, you were having to sacrifice your physical well being for my mental for your mental well being on yeah. this particular matter. And I wasn't mostly. even doing great. I was doing okay. Yeah. Um. But probably on the onset, you were like, finally, I feel mentally okay. Yeah. And so it was worth it for maybe a hot minute. A month or so. Yeah. yeah. And so. then I and then I started to feel it. What happened was I started feeling not okay again. Yeah. And it turns out that I had to go up a dose and I found out that every single time I have to up a dose of this medicine, I would go through the exact same symptoms really? all over again for weeks. And yeah. I was like, this is not worth it. And I I called my my psychiatrist, I went to talk to him and in the 15 minute med check that I was supposed to have, he somehow had jumped from, oh, these are the side effects you're having. Well, you might be bipolar. In a 15 minute med check, he was supposed to be upping my dose and I told him that I didn't want to go up because I was having all these side effects and he has no idea what my family history is, nothing. First of all, bipolar, uh, in case anybody is wondering, is about 85% hereditary. Really? Yes. Uh, Do you have any... No. There's nothing in your Not life. Not in my family. Because I was telling you, I'd, I'd said, yes, I get sort of how he got there by looking at you right then. Yeah. But I, I was diagnosed with ADHD mm-hmm. when I was 20, I think 20. Yeah. And then by the time I was 26, living in New York City, yeah. in, in my entire surroundings, circumstances were different. Every day it manifested as depression and anxiety. Right. And I talked to a doctor and they're like, no, that's just ADHD. Yep. It's when you change your surroundings, when things go off the wire, your mental disorder that you have might start exemplifying Manifesting other, other ways. things. Yep. Like I, there were times where I thought, am I OCD? Because I cannot function without doing yada, yada, yada. Right. And it was, no, it was just always the same mental disorder. It's just, I need, I wasn't, I wasn't in a space where I could create boundaries for myself and that's what I learned through therapy I need to create boundaries and when it's time to stop it's time to stop right and that's where my struggle came in from this year but that's that's what I hope for you is to be able to really slow down and examine it with someone else who will take the time and not just throw out crazy words I mean and I I I want to reiterate, I don't mean that bipolar is crazy, but to diagnose you. To throw it out in 15 minutes. To throw it out in 15 minutes. Is not okay. That's just digitally. Yeah. That's like cancer or, 
or you know diabetes. It's it's a big word with a lot of meaning and weight behind it, and to, can to, change to your just life. Throw it out there, and it's not something that you toss yeah. around lightly. Well, and anything it, mental disorder is it's, it's a big. You got to know. Says something about the quality uh, of healthcare and what has happened. I don't know if it's like over exhaustion of doctors or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't. I, by the way, this is not to speak negatively against the person who was prescribing it to me. He just was not the right doctor for me and yeah um i well and the situation clearly doesn't know how to talk right. to someone with severe anxiety because you don't just throw words like that casually around in right. front of somebody that has regular panic attacks because it triggers them like people know you with somebody who has anxiety or so you have to kind of circle the circle the the topic a few times yeah. to really you know grease up <laughs> grease up the <laughs> yeah. joint to to kind of let him know um, that this might be what we're going through but so i know that i'm not alone i know i'm sure there are a lot of other people that are going through the same things that i am but it it's super hard because you know you i know those people that suffer over and over again and all they do is complain and complain and complain yeah. and they never seek help for themselves and i am actively yeah. the, what kind of world are we in where i am actively seeking like nay begging f- yeah. for help and cannot get it and i have great health care mm-hmm. benefits and there's no reason why someone like me shouldn't be able to find the care that they need it's really sad right and that's that's something that i i've seen you do that and i'm very proud to be a part of your i i, I don't want to say the word tribe i don't yeah. like that because <laughs> A different topic for a different yeah. day. We're not supposed to say tribe or spirit animal anymore because yeah. that is a connotation of Native Americans yeah. that we are not. But anyway, I'm part of your group. My inner circle. I'm part of your family, your yeah. chosen family. And he is part of you are part of my chosen and family. And I think and I think about it that we were best friends mm-hmm. before this pandemic hit. And and we had associations and we loved each other. And, yeah. and I met your boyfriend and you know, I've luckily he's not just a boyfriend that i'm like i love him for my friend michelle he's become one of my closest friends as well yeah and and through the pandemic you know we all sort of picked our bubble partners right and then you guys were in our bubble and then my dad died and it was just like we you all rallied around me and it's it just became a a space where you know if it hadn't have been for the pandemic i don't know because i know that if it weren't for the pandemic my dad probably wouldn't be wouldn't have died mm-hmm. because again, like you talking about the the forgotten ones of the health facilities, he had dementia. Yeah, and because of the fact that my mother and my sister and I could not go be with him in the hospital, his dementia just sort of bottomed out, and that's an- again another byproduct of this pandemic. But if it hadn't been for this pandemic, I don't know that we would be as intimately involved. Right. In each other's business mm-hmm. like this. And, and I exactly. love that. I love that. And that's a great thing. And I, I'm glad to be a partner for you in work, walking this walk and figuring it out. Well, and it's so. not to, it's also not to say that you and I aren't grateful for no, the doctors and nurses. Right. That, but it's just it's it's so hard, especially there are certain parts of the country where the medicine is still fine. Mm-hmm. Places like where we live in California, it's just it's oversaturated. so oversaturated with people and the population is insane that even someone like me who has top notch health care yeah. can't get the the 
the help that they need. Well, and that's and people were like, "Oh wow, you're right. If if your dad hadn't, you know, if it hadn't been for the pandemic, mm-hmm. your dad not have been might not have been di- not might not have died." And I'm like, "Well, he had dementia." Yeah. So the ending that we got, my mother brought him home, and we were with him when he passed. I said the ending that he got is the most optimal ending I could have chosen for him having dementia right dying at home surrounded by his family it wasn't a matter of how it was a matter of when and it was a lot sooner than i thought but at the same time i'm so grateful for the time i had and the way that it happened so you know you can do that and and i i knowing you i know you'll if you can get help with you know if you if you can get an entire grasp on everything you'll pivot quickly and, yeah. and be grateful but it's like you're still sort of having to navigate this and that's that's hard. And like yeah. no other country on this in this world, well in the developed world, mm-hmm. has to navigate the health system in the way that we do here in America. And it's it's also really hard because I mean at some like in some to some degree you have to be grateful for being here mm-hmm. um because of how much better off we are in certain ways. Yeah. And I just there are certain aspects of living the way that we live that I don't think have quite leveled out right. yet. Um, well, like at the time of everybody dying of COVID, the richest men on planet Earth decided to see how close to Mars they could get. Right. I'm like, well, or you could just help us get through this. That'd be cute. <laughs> All right, um, whatever. But yes, that's exactly what I mean. So <laughs> anyway, back to my story. There's uh, d- not to you know no, side good. yeah yeah step, but um. So it got to a point where um, I was like, you know, I'm not going to I'm not going to deal with this anymore. I I don't want to see this psychiatrist anymore. Um, and if I, your instincts are telling you you can't see the psychiatrist, he, that's time to stop. I don't seeing think that, kind that of I don't. I, there's something called called bedside manner. And yeah. and uh, listen, I understand if you're a doctor in an ICU and the difference between someone's life or death yeah, is them life and them death. Li- listening to you and you need them to shut up and mm-hmm. listen to you there or are you times just have to do it right there are times right life. exactly there are times for bedside manner and there are times not and i i don't think that it's right of a mental health professional to knowingly speak that openly and um out of turn to someone they know they might trigger. Mm-hmm. Well, in best case, best case scenario, yeah, he should know because based on your reaction to it. Yeah. Now he should have known that that wasn't the best approach, right? Because you're a psychiatrist, the mental doctor. Yeah. Like you should know how best to deliver mental diagnoses. So. Um, long story short, I decided to wean myself off of the medicine. I did it properly. My, my mother, thank goodness, is a pharmacist. Mm-hmm. Um, and I slowly, you know, weaned myself off of the medicine and had to go through all of the side effects all over again. Mm-hmm. And then once I was completely off of the medicine, which was very recently, I was still dealing with some of the, the after effects and it just put me in this mental fog, mental slump. And I'm still kind of there. Yeah. And I just want to say. For anybody listening, you deciding to go off your medicine was what you chose to do for yourself. Correct. It's You're not, not advocating for no. anybody to do anything else. If I thought you know. the medicine that I was on was right for me and yeah. was helping me, 
you bet your ass I would stay on But, you know, it. and that's that's not something that you're even advocating, no. that if you just feel like this, you should go off and your I'm medicine. Not saying, this is what you, yeah. you sought counsel with your mother. Correct. And you, who is a professional in medicine, and... And I'm not saying so. I'm not saying I'm better off for being off of this medicine. I made a decision that yeah. that it wasn't right for me, and the side effects, the the juice wasn't worth the squeeze. Right. And and, and you're not finished. No, I'm not. You're gonna no, go find another going, professional correct. to help get you in the right space. I if I can, shit, if I can find one. Yes. Right. I my plan is to try and find a healthcare professional who understands me is willing to sit down with me in person yeah talk to me find out my family history and try things without making my mental health situation worse yeah. i don't want to have to i well, don't i don't want to have to make sacrifices in my daily being in order to feel mentally stable i don't think that that's i think that some that's mm-hmm. something that people with um chronic depression or anxiety tend to do is they tend to sacrifice their normal day-to-day yeah. and how they feel for being for moments of being okay well and And i don't think that that's correct and there's and there's a fine line i would say because i make sacrifice like i know when you have a mental disorder you have to let it live in your life like it has to have space in your life like the way that a diabetic has to alter their diet yeah to to make sure their blood sugar is stable when you have a mental disorder, you have to alter yourself in in certain ways, but you still have to eat. Yeah. You still have to function. Like you may have like Ethan and I decided this year because Ethan has a little bit of anxiety now. Yeah. He's and it developed in the pandemic and he's decided we decided together that you know what? After Thanksgiving, Christmas and New Year's, the month of January is just not a social time for us. Correct. It it creates more chaos in our lives than what it helps so you know that's a that's a parameter that's a that's a a boundary that we've set up and you have to do that when you have a mental disorder but at the same time you still have to function right and i i also i feel for those people too that like have some sort of Mm -hmm. medical condition that triggers something physical in you that causes mental problems because sometimes they are circumstantial but they're the at the effects from suffering whatever it is short term cause long term effects like anxiety and depression because you're waiting for it to happen again. That's basically yeah. what happened with yeah. me. Is waiting for the next eruption. I was having breathing problems because of some sinus issues and dealing with the pandemic at the and lockdown at the same time. And it's and it, not to mention Black Lives Matter in 2020 correct. was going bananas. Mm-hmm. And I mean, not that it shouldn't. It that is a bo- volcano that had long should have long been erupted. Right. But right. at this time, it was just so much stimuli. There was a lot overload. But so it triggered panic attacks and I and then after I treated the physical problems that I was having, I couldn't make them stop. Yeah. And it's just something I have to deal with now. But so like my journey with medicine, like I've been taking medicine on and off since I was like 10. Yeah. And there some of it is great. And if you can find what's right for you, it works. And you definitely do it's not the kind of thing that once you feel better, you're like, oh, I guess I don't need to take this anymore. Yeah. It's wrong. You feel better because of the medicine. But let me just tell you, when no, you yeah. don't feel right, you don't feel right. And you need to say something mm-hmm. and figure it out. Because and that's the thing. Once you've got the correct medicine for you 
your brain right. should feel so much better. Your life should feel so much better. Yeah. And going off of it because you're better is the wrong thing to do. But if yeah. the medicine you're on is making you is Ill. making everything worse and also your body is going out of whack, that's a personal choice that you have to make. Yeah. It is a personal choice that, you know, it's affecting no one but you yeah. and the people around you that are in your your circle, but you know, hopefully You've got a group of people who will say, this is not right. This is, you can't keep doing this. We support you. We'll hold you up if you need held up. I, it's so funny because it really got to the point and especially even the last few weeks after being off of this medicine that like, I feel like I have absolutely no control over how I feel. Yeah. And it may be additionally due to some side effects of going off of my medicine, Mm -hmm. but I know I need something. I know I need to be treated. I just ne- need something that's right that's not going to make things worse or yeah. get rid of what I have and cause other problems. Well, and that's the thing. One of my favorite quotes is by Winston Churchill. He said, if you're going through hell, keep going. Yeah. And it's like it wouldn't do you any good just to turn back around and go back on that medicine mm-hmm. because this is the jungle you don't know yet. Yeah. And it's like, so you just got to keep going, find your professional, find your, find your people in your medical, you know, that's going to help you medically and, mm-hmm. ke- and get to it. And, you know, and so. I, w- I will tell you, it's not, there are things that you can do for yourself. Like I, I know for me personally, and I probably don't do it enough, but when I work out, I feel better. Mm-hmm. I really do. And see, I get, and and this is the interesting part for me with me and Ethan deciding not to socialize much, not not to do big social things. Not Mm -hmm. that we're not going to socialize, but it's like you were trying to plan a trip to Disneyland in January and we were just like, it's too much. I can't, we can't do it. We can't do it this year. Yeah. That kind of thing. We can't do that. You know, that's our thing. But I, d- I realize that when I'm feeling low, yeah. socialization is exactly what I need. Oh, I'm the exact opposite. Because I when I'm usually feeling low, it's when I start um, doubting everything that I do. Mm-hmm. Like, we all moved here to California, to Los Angeles, to do art of some sort. And it's those low moments when I start doubting that I can and doubting that I should... But then I go socialize and like with with Flo, your boyfriend. Yeah. We talk movies and it's like my juices of inner, you know, my inspiration, my creative, <laughs> my creative juices start flowing again. And I'm like, oh, my God. I, yes, this is what I needed. Yeah. The inspiration to be around people like me. For me, it's so funny. And everybody's different. Um, I am the kind of person that if I'm low and I, I can't be around people. I can't function socially. Like mm-hmm. sometimes it's it's bad. To oh, no. Ethan's the same way. Yeah. It's exhausting to him to have to even like engage. Yeah. When he's too when he's at his bandwidth. Yeah, I can't. So I can't. Sometimes I can't even the idea of even leaving the apartment like or and having to to fakely smile and nod at people. Oh, yeah. Makes me want to cry. Mm-hmm. So. Um, well, speaking of. Flow. Hello, Flow. Hi. 
Uh, I would love to hear from you if you want to join in on the conversation. Yeah, what's your perception? Because yeah. you've been the the primary sort of caregiver. The ca- I was going to say caregiver. <laughs> He's been taking but, care of me. Let's be honest. You've been the partner really in has. all this. You've been Michelle's partner. Yeah. In, in like in a in a downward space. So I just want to hear your perspective on. Oh, this is going to make it. me you sad. You want to come sit by Michelle, <laughs> Michelle so y'all can use this. I only have two this, mics today. This poor so man. So y'all are going to have to share the mic. This, um, this poor man. This is going to make me so sad to hear but this. Yeah, so, like, what has it been like to be someone who's in love with a person who's sort of suffering through some things? Hello, everybody. <laughs> Hello. Yeah, okay, just before you start, Florent Cognac, you remember him from a few episodes in our past, uh, filmmaker from France. That's his accent. He's not from Alabama. Hello. <laughs> Hello. I'm sure not. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so um, to answer your question, um, well, it's been, you know, here's the thing. It's been very tough for me to see her yeah. um, going down like that because, you know, um, I don't know. I, I kind of sort of live for her smile, if it makes sense. Oh, my God. Now you're going to make me cry. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I'm just saying that literally because, you know, every time, like, I see her smile, or, like, every time she's in a good mood, I feel like in a good yeah. mood. Yeah. And so every time she is, you know, at the bottom of uh, whatever she's going through, it is just difficult to see her that way because I'm mm-hmm. I'm powerless. There's nothing I can do to help yeah. except trying to offer suggestions. But, but there's nothing I can do physically except mm-hmm. let her try different things and hope for the best. So yeah. it's just been an adjustment for me to learn how to help her the best when I can. And then other times just being there to support mm-hmm. her but not being able to do have you learned more. a lot from watching her go through it yes like, and things like you because you don't you don't really you know like i don't know the ins and out of ins and outs of dealing with diabetes because nobody in my immediate world has that but now that somebody in your immediate world is dealing with you know mental disorder and sort of an imbalance due to circumstances that no other generation will probably ever have to deal with you know. By the way, I'm lucky too. Like, I'm super lucky because I have somebody right. here who's supportive and understands that sometimes I need a hug and sometimes I just need him to leave me the hell alone. And you know so, what? Um, yeah. I wonder about this for you, Flo, because um, I've been listening to Adele's new album. Have y'all listened to Adele's new some, album? I've, some of it. So yeah. there's a sh- there's a song called "I Drink Wine," and it's basically we are just because her whole album's about divorce. And she talks about how, you know, we've just we're we're both in a space and we're not being good to one another. But the one line in that that just resonates with me so much is you you get the brunt of it all because you're all I have left. Yeah. And that's so hard because Ethan's had to deal with that for me, like with dad dying. Like yeah. there were moments, quiet moments in our home where we're alone, where I just wasn't I mean, I wasn't good to him in the way that a healthy person should be good to their partner um and i wonder if y'all have had moments like that where yes. it's like <laughs> yes you get the brunt of it all because you're sitting right here and you love me. uh yeah that happens a lot it's sometimes it's just uh, yeah it's it's hard especially when you live with somebody because there are sometimes you just want to be alone and just cry mm-hmm. 
and they don't know that. And your and your boyfriend is the worst <laughs> at just letting you cry it out. Yeah, it, it breaks He's his like, heart. Oh, a billion are you okay? Times. What can I do? And I'm like, get away from me. <laughs> he he like the the sweetness that he says when he says, "I live for your smile." He he cannot like. No. I'll say something, and I've never heard anybody be so sincere. I'll be like, "Yeah, I've got a little bit of a headache," and he goes, "Oh, I'm sorry." And I'm like, "Well, you didn't do it. You didn't put a headache in my head." Yeah. So. Um, but I mean, I love that about you, your tenderness. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, do you feel that, that you, you've had to see a side of Michelle that's like giving you insight into what the other side of a coin is? Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, I never dealt with a- any person. But I, I mean, my entire family had never had any issues mm-hmm. like that before. So it, it was definitely something new that I had to adjust. Do you think it's from all the cheese and wine in France? <laughs> uh-huh. I have no idea if it has any impact of it. Um, <laughs> it would be funny if it was. It would be the case. But, um, but no, it, I mean, it definitely was an adjustment. And I still feel like I'm learning a lot. You mm-hmm. know, it's not something What's some that things that you've learned in that process that you now kind of have it in your tool belt to to help her through it when you see her struggling um well i usually try to ask her a lot of questions like how do you feel Mm -hmm. um you know i I try to ask her if she needs anything uh, um stuff like like simple questions like closed you know questions that she can answer yes or no to really just kind of like okay she does she need space Mm -hmm. or uh, you know, and then I always tend to offer her like a good ear, like if she needs, yeah. to, like if she wants me to listen. You really are a good listener. Uh-huh. <laughs> you really are. You you'll just take all these ridiculous stories that anybody will bring you. Well, and uh, just you know, I always been like that. You know, growing up, uh, my mom used to uh, all the time like tell me I always been a good listener. So, um, so I always been like that. That's for sure. But. Again, it's just, you know, I, I like listening to people because everybody has a story. And mm-hmm. that's why I became a filmmaker for. Yeah. You know? Yeah, so. I know. I, You and me, I guess that is a, a very, I don't know, loving space between mine and your friendship. Because I know American history and you just you just let me sit and tell you stories all day. Mm-hmm. We, went to D, we went to Washington, D.C. back last, I guess, the end of last summer. And we were in the Smithsonian, and and Michelle and Ethan had already just walked on. But me and you were standing there in this room, and I was just like, I get to teach him history. It was it great. It was so much fun. But no, you, it really is. It's heartening to know that my best friend has a partner that can and, really take care. And I mean, don't get me wrong; he's not perfect, but well, who is? No one. Everybody thinks your partner is perfect. It's so everybody f- thinks that Flo is perfect. I, I know. He's Aww. he's obscenely handsome. And and seem obscenely talented. So um, those I agree with. Um, <laughs> but yeah, there are some times when you know I just want to be alone, and I'm not, and it's okay. But it's so funny because for me, my whole life, it's always just been. I mean, except growing up, it's just been me. And when I'm sad, I can yeah. be alone with myself and my feelings. And. Um, there are some times when I am sad that I am able to still communicate with him. And then mm-hmm. there are other times where it, there's just nothing. I have nothing. I can't say anything. And does that help to just sort of let Flo be nearby doing his work? Because he's always writing some script. Yeah, it, it makes me feel a little less. Thing. It makes me feel a little less hopeless. Um, yeah. And I but I will say there sometimes I just want to be 
sad and alone with myself and, well, and, that's and just get over it because I don't want him to see me like that sometimes. And I feel like he sees me like that a lot lately. And it's not who I am. That's not who I am. Well, everything's a season. Yeah. And that's why I want wanted to do this episode today because you just don't know. Like, I have been... I've been shown time and again with this show. You just don't know who's listening and just don't know who needs to hear it. Like yeah. you don't know who's out there who needed to hear somebody else has gone through something like what I'm going mm-hmm. through. And I, I have a friend of one of our mutual friends. He was going through something and he's, he's like, I'm really feeling, feeling pretty low. Cause you know, he's, you know, money's getting tight because all of this, all of the stimulus stuff and all the extras, yep. from, <laughs> COVID are going away yep. and, and we're still sort of in a space, you know, as a whole in a cut in our country looking for work and looking for money. And mm-hmm. it's, and everybody gets frustrated because ever there's help wanted signs everywhere, but nobody can find a job at the same time. Yeah. Um, and, and I told him, I said, you just got to remember every single thing that you've ever gone through, you made it through. Yeah. And so whatever you're going through right now, you have every reason to believe you're going to make it through. And that's because th- you've never not made it through something. Right. Like you're still here standing here today. You've made it through everything so far. And even, you so. know, we're going through something similar right now. Like uh, we're pretty poor. Right. <laughs> and um, some days I have to make a choice between, you know, putting gas in my tank or going to the doctor which right. no one should really ever have to we do. We should never have to make that choice because even with great health insurance it's still a money factor. Mm-hmm. There's still a copay, there's still a prescription drug cost. There's yeah. still, you know, cost lab fees yeah. that we have. And if you and god forbid you have a severe accident at home, Ethan called an ambulance a couple of years ago and that was $1300. Yeah. To drive an ambulance. Our 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 healthcare system's still a little messed up. Yeah. Um Flo has told me and if you want to talk about <laughs> it you can. He's told me a little bit about what it's like in France and it's very different. So in France do they have a, a big um a big respect and sort of I don't know, just, I guess that's how you'd say it, a big respect for mental health in France. Or is it, because I don't know, I feel like France and the rest of Europe in some ways, or Western Europe, is very advanced in some ways and very forward thinking about health care. But then sometimes I get the sense that they are sort of still stuck in an antiquated mindset when it comes to health care. Like, you don't need therapy. You don't need to talk about your feelings. So yes, and I'm basing that off of a friend who had who lives in the UK. Okay, so there's definitely some con- contradiction um, here and there. I'll tell you why. Um, but health in general in France is a priority. That's for sure. What what happened is um, the way it works is you usually pay for doctor yourself, and then you get a full refund for it. So there's oh, never okay. that copay system does not exist for most of it. Now, there's parts where you need, for example, you go to a dentist and there's just like here, something very expensive or something new. Sometimes it takes a few years to get the full refund that you'd get when a you go. A few years? Yes, wow. because, for example, you know, when they, I don't know, I'm making this up. I have no idea. But, you know, they invent something new for your teeth, whatever it is. Yeah. And it's a new technology that comes from the U.S. or whatever else. And so um, the it'll take a few years of uh, paperwork or whatever to mm-hmm. actually um, be able to cover the full uh, 
the full uh, fee of yeah. that. But um, but most of it is covered. Now, here's the thing. The mental health is a different story. Most of it is considered priority, but... Priority? Uh, That's the uh, yeah, a lot prior- of... Yeah. yeah, priority. Yes, sorry. I'm just translating for you. <laughs> Thank you. Um, Speaking English. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. So, um, but, but here's the thing, though. Um, a lot of people have a hard time admitting that they have mental mm-hmm. issues. Um, because uh, of that, uh, I don't know, fear of saying, oh, I have mental issues and, yeah. and having everybody looking at you, would, you know, like as if they're crazy right away. That would be the assumption right. that a lot of people make right away. So um, usually it's something that you get private in, in France for mm-hmm. some weird reason. So. I'm just so Europeans glad. don't talk about their mental health as much. I feel like they seek treatment for it, but they don't. Who? Europeans? It's not as much as, yeah, it's yeah. not as much of an open forum over there for I feel this way. I feel sad. I feel, you know what I mean? They're Mm -hmm. not big feelings. Well, and I'm just, I'm so grateful that we're talking about things now. Like, like we are talking about mental health and we are, cause like at this very moment, you know, we are, well, which it's been several years now, black lives matter, the me too movement, everybody's starting to tell their stories and they're finding, Oh, I'm not alone. So now we're talking about mental health and it's like, Oh, everybody's got a little bit of something and you know a, a mental disorder is so easy to to it's it's easy to find somebody with one because we all have them of some sort because and you know anxiety people talk about anxiety that's a mental disorder and depression and ADHD and then when you do get into some more deeper rooted bipolar and schizophrenia those are really serious things but we're all talking about it here in America now in a way that we hadn't before. So it just feels revolutionary. It feels normal. Mm -hmm. So, um, I, yeah, again, I feel like there's definitely uh, maybe a little bit more of a a stigma Mm -hmm. around mental health in other parts of the world still. Um, and you, you're right. Like in some ways there, uh, cultures, in other places are miles ahead of us mm-hmm. as far as like, you know, free health care and yeah. all of all of that kind of like universal health care and all that kind of stuff. Well, and I wonder if it's universal around the world, because I know that still in America, it is far more acceptable to this, the greater society for a woman to seek me- mental health care rather right. than a man. A man, There's, you've got to be able to handle your yeah. stuff. Women are delicate. They are supposed to be fragile. So, of course, they need a, a psychiatrist. Men yeah. are tough and strong. And we're just now starting to break down those gender barriers of everybody struggles. Correct. So, And I, I also think that, again... Uh, when we talked about the beginning of this podcast is, you know, we have to deal with a lot more, um, just cold, hard facts. Women do deal with a lot more hormonal mm-hmm. problems. Well, your body changes. Yeah. You go through a hormonal um, cycle so every month. That's why. But then you also, think, your whole body has to prepare correct. itself for a baby. So I don't necessarily men, think men never have to go through I, that. I don't necessarily think that it's, um, it's that they go through less. It's just different. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and that's the thing. I think that's something that's universal. I think even in Europe or South America, anywhere, they're going to accept a woman seeking help for her mental issues and mental disorders a lot quicker than they would accept a man doing it. Yeah, and uh, again, so like like certain uh, European countries, they mm-hmm. are... Um, 
definitely ahead of us as far as technology in some ways and also um as far as like having universal health care for the people that live there um but as far as like the ideas of talking about things in open forums i definitely don't think that they're quite as open about it i will say like i think social media has changed that for Mm -hmm. sure um but i i'm still trying to figure out you know, it's like six one way, half dozen the other. Yeah. You know, you get a crappy part of this or a crappy part of that, depending on what part of the world you're in. There's a lot of things that have to change. And yeah, um, I do feel like, though, do you feel like this just because you're in it and, and I'm in it in, in a space of dealing with mental disorders in some sort that the 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 change that will come, that bell has already been rung. Yeah. And you can't unring that bell. I agree. Um, I like agree. we're going there. We're we're headed in the right direction. I it's, think. Oh, again, it's really hard for me to see it because I am still dealing with these issues, and I am still yeah. kind of stuck in my own sadness in my head. Mm-hmm. And um, it's hard to even imagine a light at the end of the tunnel of, um, you know, starting to feel like me again. Well. And we are running out of time. Yeah. Um, but and and that's why I wanted to do this episode was to just shine a light on what's happening in my world. Yeah. You know, I have someone in my world who's dealing with this firsthand and I get to be a best friend dealing with it. But I just want to I want to end on asking you as sort of as, as arbitrarily as you can rather than, you know, well, maybe not arbitrarily, maybe your specific situation. What could your friends do to make things easier like what like if somebody else is trying to search for that language of how to ask for help from the people around them what Uh, could we do as your partner and your best friend and you know never assume that when you sorry i'm gonna get emotional please um (laughs) never assume that when you see somebody and they look okay and they sound okay and they you think they're okay that they're okay Mm mm-hmm because it doesn't mean anything. Right. Um I'm really good at hiding it. Well, I think we all are. I think you I mean because we're adults and yeah. like I've I'm I'm now people's boss. Um and I have to do this and you know, I tell people don't bring your personal life to work because the work we're mm-hmm. doing has to be done. And if you can't if your personal life is stopping you from doing that work, let me know. Yeah. And we'll make some things. So, but you know, so we all go and put on our yeah. brave face and go to work every exactly. day. Exactly. And that you have to decide within yourself, where's the line that I can't do that today and kind of thing, you know? Um, people don't know this, but you know, I've had some of my worst days mentally, internally, yeah. with a smile smiling and face. laughing. Yeah. And, and no one else would ever know. Mm-hmm. So, what, um, what would, what would be something that we could do for you to lighten the load? Or is it just being nearby? I mean, you know, I think that the idea of not, of never assuming that, mm-hmm. that someone is okay and just treating everyone um, respectfully and, yeah. and, and equally. And you, you never n- know what someone else is going through in their own head. Mm-hmm. Don't. And probably being more thoughtful about the way we say things. Yeah. Just because you don't know how it could land on somebody. Sometimes sometimes someone says something to me and they probably haven't thought twice about it and I think about it for the next seven days straight. Yeah. 
and ruminate over it and cry about it. And yeah. they have absolutely no idea what they've said or done and probably haven't thought about it twice. Right. Just be more methodical about what you say, when you say it, and how you say it. Mm-hmm. Um, but also just don't be closed off to people. Don't be judgmental. Yeah. Um, there are so many people that say that they are an open book and they're not judgmental. And the second somebody says something that they don't like or they don't agree with, they roll their eyes and walk Mm -hmm. away. Or they, they, and that's, I think that's something people do. We, we see as we, the grander scheme of all humans, we see somebody going through something and we decide for ourselves, what's the right way to get through that situation, even though you're not even going through it. And that's passing judgment. Yeah. That's, well, you should do this. Well, you should do that. Or maybe, you should keep your opinions to yourself because you're not actually going through it. <laughs> That'd be yeah. a cute idea too. Just so I think um, having having an open mind, mm-hmm. having a a positive attitude, and knowing when to leave things alone, yeah, is a really good that's way to help great, people. That's a great thing for people to hear. Yeah. Well, that is all the time we have for today. Thank you for coming on my show and thank you for sharing your story with the whoever's listening. Um, I, I'm, I'm certain that someone is listening that they're, they're feeling camaraderie with you right now. Yeah. And that, that, that makes me feel nice that we are all just sitting on this big rock floating through space, going through it together, whether we like it or not. And it helps to hear that other people are going through it too. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. And Flo, thank you for coming on the show again. You're welcome. I love it. I love it when you're here. You bring a certain continental elegance to my <laughs> show that we never get anywhere else. And I don't. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> he is from France. He's lived in Paris. He's okay. <laughs> um, yeah. So you both tell everybody where they can follow you on social medias. Oh, um, Instagram at uh, Mishmax Makeup. M I C H M A X M A C K. No, no. M I C H M A X Makeup. I always screw up people's handle. And what about you, Mr. Florent Cognac? Well, my Instagram is Florent Cognac. So F L O R E N T underscore C O R N I L L A C. And of course, you can always catch me on any of my social medias at Kyle L. Henderson. And like I said at the top of the show, we are now on Spotify. So I can honestly say you can rate, subscribe, and review this show on any platform you get your favorite podcasts. And please do all those because that helps people find our show. And I will see you again next week. Bye. Au revoir. Au revoir.